It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. So, Terry, what's going on in your world? How's business? Business is awesome. Oh, yeah? It's always awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You don't change. No, 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 no. Good market, awesome. Bad market, awesome. (laughs) Okay, so how's business? Well, besides being awesome. Yes, thank you. What we see out there is still a shortage of inventory. Yeah. The buyer demand is still there. Are you seeing people bidding up for homes as much? You know, Steve, it's all about price point. If you look in our marketplace, for example, anything under 600000 we're still in a seller's market. It kind of starts to transition when we get over 600000 And then the higher you go up, it's really more of a buyer's market than a seller's market. So how do you define a buyer's market? So buyer's market will go with the six-month level. So if if there's six months of inventory on the market, mm-hmm. it's really considered more like a, a normal market. Yeah. Anything less than that amount, it's a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. Anything more than, say, seven, eight months, it's very much a buyer's market. So buyers have leverage. That's what you're saying. Buyers so they, have they get to negotiate more actively or more aggressively. Correct. In our marketplace, that Really, when you get to a million and above, mm-hmm. we're seeing very much because it's a softer. Buyer's it's, it's softer. It's softer. Okay, All more right. inventory. But under six hundred, under six hundred, sweet spot, sweet spot. Okay, three hundred, home run. Okay, multiple offers. But you know, there's been recent reports which have stated that a thirty-eight million of us here in America are paying too much for our monthly housing expenses. Well, you know, there are some safeguards. There's when you get a mortgage, the traditional is 2836. So they don't want to lend you more than 28%. Actually, that's not 100% true. The, the, those numbers will be pushed, but traditionally 28% of your, of your income. Of your income. Yeah, yeah. And that should be the rule of thumb that you follow. You know, people are pushing 30%, pushing a little bit higher than yeah, that, depending yeah. on their debt. So that's because things have gotten more costly. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, housing prices have gone up, I think, 6 or 7% in our area last year. Interest rates have gone up, so the cost of a mortgage, it's still historically very low. But if you're pricing your ability to buy a home based on three and three quarters percent mortgage rates, and they're now at four and three quarters, that changes the equation. Right. It takes a chunk out of it yeah. for you. Yeah. And now you're looking at nearly, what, 21 million renters paid more than 30%. So the renters actually are getting hit harder than the, the homeowners. homeowners. I'm noticing that there seems to be some softness in the pricing of rental properties, meaning that since so many rentals have been built over the years and are coming online now, right. that prices are softening a little bit or they're flattening out. They're, yeah, I'd say I'm seeing more of a flattening. So it's starting to turn a little bit into the favor of renters. And yet home prices have been rising and getting more expensive. So it used to be the other way around. Right. It was cheaper to buy a house. Now it seems renting, not yet. It's, yeah, we're not quite there yet. But, but, but there are other reasons to own a house. Correct. Other than price, right? I mean, you have your oh, family absolutely. there. You have control of your own destiny. Build equity for over the long term. build equity over the long term and Pride so of ownership. Yeah. Stability. But in pure dollars, just doing the math, it's starting to turn more in the favor of renters a little bit. If you could be a renter and you, you could actually live cheaper as a renter than you can as an owner. Yeah. Now, the thing is, you've got to be disciplined to take the difference between what it would cost to rent versus own and sock that in the bank. Yeah, lots so of luck people, with that. <laughs> most yeah. people aren't able to do that. 
All right, so we have six tips to help first-time landlords succeed. I saw this and I go, wow, that really sounds like something that we'd want, want to know about. Sure. So what is tip number one? Screen your tenant and then screen them again and then again. <laughs> okay. In order to have a successful investment, especially long-term investment, yeah. the tenant is key. They're the ones that are going to live in the property. They're the ones who are going to either keep the property up or they're going to trash it. And I, honest to gosh, you think it's easy to screen them and you think you got it, but they're not all... It's not predictable. It's not that predictable. But I thought you were going to talk more about their ability to pay the rent. Well, that too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Paying the rent's important too. Yeah. You know, obviously looking at their debt to income. So you've got to get their tax returns or their pay stubs. And again, if you're using a realtor who uses a screening company, yeah. they're going to screen for their income and do all of these. They're going to get the driver's you. license. We talked about this right. a few weeks ago. We're going to get their social security number and you're going to be able to take a look at their credit history. Right. That's, that's but keep, keep in mind, you know, if you've got somebody coming to rent your place and, and it's costing them 50% of their monthly income yeah. to rent, those aren't going to be good tenants for you. Okay. Yeah. You made your point. All right. Number two, know your tenants' rights up front. So this is the other side of the coin. Right. If you're going to be a landlord, know what their rights are and certainly know what your obligations are. If there's going to be a problem and when there is a problem, not if, it's usually when, it's going to come down to technicality. So if you ended up in a small claims court, the judge is going to look at your side of the coin because you're the big bad landlord. They're going to look at your side and see what did you do wrong. Right. So dot your I's, cross your T's. Okay. Number three, choose the right money maker property, which I read as do the math. Make sure that you're running this as a business and it will be profitable with a margin of safety too. Right. You need to know what you're investing in. Not all properties are good rental properties. Yeah. Number four, expect to spend thousands on maintenance. Absolutely. Every time a tenant moves out, chances are you're going to have to paint the whole place. Uh, There's constant maintenance with any kind of property. So be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be no surprise. Budget, you know, a couple of thousand dollars for sure. Now, when you own a home, you have these maintenance expenses yourself. Right. When you rent, you don't have them because the landlord has them. But theoretically, those costs are in your rent. Correct. Theoretically. theoretically right? Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. Number five, improve the unit while it's empty. That's kind of common sense. It is, but a lot of landlords don't. The time to take care of all those repairs and what have you is in between tenants. Yeah. Certainly don't wait to the last minute, which a lot of them do. Like, oh, I've got somebody moving in, so I'll go ahead and take care of it now. Right. Gotcha. And finally, plan for vacant months, but try to avoid them too. Absolutely. Anytime you're going to transition from one tenant to another, you've got a vacancy, you've got to consider, hey, if it's $2,000 a month I'm collecting and I want to raise it a little bit, aren't I better off, you know, just... You've got a good tenant. You want to keep the good tenant. Right. Maybe you don't raise it if you feel like there's pressure. They could go somewhere else or something like that. Right. If you have it vacant, it's going to cost you a lot more. And don't than... forget, if you're receiving 2000 a month and it's vacant for one month, now your effective rent is about $1,800 a month. So that may not have been figured into your budget. Correct. All right. My guest, as always, is Terry Story, a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams, located in Boca Raton, Florida. And she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.